Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. In today's show, Kevin Ingram and I will be talking Vanderbilt baseball and previewing the Tennessee series. So with no further delay, let's get right to our interview with Kevin Ingram. Kevin Ingram joins us. He is one of the two play-by-play voices for the Vanderbilt Commodores. Kevin, lots going on. We're in the middle of spring football. Basketball is finished. And a huge baseball series on campus this weekend. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs> yeah, doing good, Chris. Yeah, there is definitely a lot going on on the uh, Vanderbilt campus. I, I just finished up doing 40 basketball games. I did 36 Ooh. men's games and four women's games. I did some of the postseason uh, for Shea Ralph's group, and that was fun. But, yeah, it's a, it's a busy time uh, doing some baseball, that, that crossover season. I, I found that the baseball crossover from basketball is actually more challenging than the football crossover into basketball. There's just so many more games involved and all the preparation and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it's fun. I know there's a uh, – it's fun doing games and being around these teams and everything. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to this weekend. It's going to be a, a really great series, I think, between Vanderbilt and Tennessee. Yeah, I think this will be the most in- anticipated regular season series at Vanderbilt, I don't know, maybe ever. I mean, it's it certainly, I would think, top five. I shouldn't say ever because there have been some pretty epic series with Florida, but maybe a better way to put it, certainly the most anticipated Vanderbilt-Tennessee series that I remember being a part of yeah it's funny Andrew and I were just talking about that and I, I think you're right as far as Vanderbilt and Tennessee goes it's hard to imagine there's been a, a bigger series at Hawkins Field between those two programs uh, you know because Vanderbilt's been the big dog in this league for quite a while and Tennessee has made some major strides in that regard I went to the College World Series last year the ranked number one in the country going into this series and they, they've done just about everything right so far especially in their uh, two SEC series so this will be a big one uh, you're right. I mean, you think about uh, Vanny in Florida or Vanny in LSU or, or Texas A&M along the way at some point. But uh, for Vanderbilt and Tennessee, th- this is a big series coming off a, a series last season in Knoxville when both teams were wrecked inside the top ten. So it, it should be a, a lot of fun and provide some real entertainment for the people who are lucky enough to get into the ballpark this weekend. Yeah, what is that t- ticket situation like? <laughs> I think it may be a lack thereof uh, when it comes to tickets yeah. for this weekend. You know, I've heard everybody talking about the uh, the secondary market and that sort of thing, and I, I really haven't looked at any of that. But I've heard some some numbers thrown out there for prices that are, are quite expensive. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think, like I say, I think if you don't have a regular, uh, a normally priced ticket, then you're probably going to be uh, spending some to get in. But uh, luckily for us, we we have an opportunity and are blessed to have a chance to get into the ballpark and, and take a look for ourselves. Let's talk Vanderbilt. What do you make of the state of their lineup right now? Um, I, I think it's – I like the lineup overall, and I, and I like the fact that there are a lot of veteran guys in the lineup, and you know, especially for a series like this where everything's going to be extra jacked up and charged up, that you have players who've been in this series before and been in these spots. I mean, a lot of these guys look up and down the lineup, and they're part of this team last year that went to Omaha and almost won the whole thing. I think I think just getting a little bit better production when you have chances is is going to be key for Vanderbilt in the series. Uh, the, the series against Mississippi uh, against um, uh, South Carolina, I should say, uh, 
the last two games, Vanderbilt stranded 22 base runners, and that can't happen in a series against Tennessee if Vanderbilt mm-hmm. wants to be successful. Uh, you get those guys at second base, got to get them around and get them home. Or you have a guy at third base with you know less than two outs, got to get that sack fly or hit one to the right side and bring that run home. Tennessee can, can score a whole bunch of runs, and they can hit a whole bunch of home runs. Uh, so for Vanderbilt, I think it's going to be really key to just – Put the ball in play, get those runs home when you have a chance, and uh, just make make the most of those opportunities. You're not going to bring in every run that you have in scoring position or have on base, but you you need to uh, to certainly uh, hopefully not strand 22 base runners over a two game stretch like we saw last weekend. Yeah, the way Tennessee's pitching, you you almost feel fortunate to get 22 base runners in two games, let alone strand them. Yeah, Tennessee, you know, for all their offense, and they've hit over 60 home runs already and lead the country there. Uh, the, the pitching to me is what's really been remarkable. And they have a, a sub two ERA as a team. And I mean, those weekend starters have just mowed everybody down. And yeah, the, the pitching is, is ridiculous. I mean, the, the hitting and pitching are, are just crazy. Uh, the defense at times for Tennessee, you've seen some. Uh, some some shaky play, but it really hasn't hurt them all that much. I mean, they made a couple miscues in one of the games I was watching when they were playing Ole Miss last weekend, and they were able to get the out and get out of trouble, and it, it really didn't hurt them all that much. But yeah, the the, the pitching's awesome, the the hitting's off the charts. So a, a very deserving number one uh, this Tennessee team that we'll see come in here this weekend. Yeah, well, I think for Vanderbilt, you know, you got to feel really good about the way Chris McIlvain is pitching right now. He's just been that Friday night rock for them so far, with the exception of I think it was the the Army series. Maybe he wasn't so hot, but I mean, ever since that little hiccup, he's been right back at it and really has been one of the better pitchers in the league so far this season. He really has, and he moved into that game one role uh, on a weekend. Uh, Chris is. I mean, he's been terrific. His two SEC starts have been good. He threw seven innings of, of quality ball against South Carolina last weekend, uh, seven shutout innings. And it really, if they had needed him to, he might could have gone the distance in that game. Uh, they did took him out after seven and used a couple of relievers to get to the finish. But uh, I, I think one thing that's going to serve him well in this is that he's been successful in this series. Uh, you think to that Sunday game last year when they played over oh, at Knoxville. Right. Yeah. He came in in relief and threw about five innings and really kept Vanderbilt in the game and gave him a chance to win. So uh, he understands what this is all about. I mean, he's a local guy from just down the road. and So, uh, yeah, I, I've really been impressed with him. Good stuff, good control. Uh, yeah, you, you like him in that Friday night role. And uh, I, I think last year having pitched in all sorts of different situations has served him well and, and has him ready to to be that number one starter. How do you think Carter Holton bounces back from a rough game a week ago? Well, if you're Vanderbilt, you hope that uh, the, the game this weekend will look more like all of his other starts and not like the one against South Carolina. Uh, that that was a very rare thing to see him uh, have the the struggles that he did over in Columbia last weekend. And, you know, it, it makes you wonder, and I know people have brought this up uh, even in, in questions with Tim Corbin back earlier in the week, you know, was he tipping a pitch or you know, did South Carolina figure out something about him that they took advantage of? And we'll, I'll be interested to see if, and maybe we'll never know, but whatever it might have been, will they solve it this weekend when, when Tennessee comes in, or or uh, will they will that still be uh, something of an issue? But yeah, and credit to South Carolina's hitters. I mean, they they hit the pitches when they were presented with them. But um, I, I expect him to come back and pitch well. He has too good of stuff to to struggle for very long. And. Uh, he's he's looked very poised and like a veteran pitcher so far in what we've seen uh, during this early stretch of his freshman season. 
Any clue what they'll do game three, or might that be dependent on what happens games <laughs> one and two? In other words, I guess what I'm getting at, Patrick Riley seems like the logical option, but they haven't used him there yet. And, you know, Patrick Riley might be awfully valuable if you've got a, you know, a, a 4-3 lead in the fifth, but it's looking a little tenuous in, say, a Saturday game or a Friday game, too. Yeah, it feels like uh, Sunday is like TBA every week. Um, and and I'm, I would say that will probably be the case this weekend. Yeah, Patrick Riley, he's been so valuable in, in that Friday or Saturday role where you need a bunch of innings and he's able to, to get in there and get it done. Maybe not a bunch of innings, but you need him to either bridge that gap or, or to go ahead and, uh, and, and help this team win a ball game. But you know, if you're able to get through those first two games and not use them, then maybe you do throw them out there on Sunday. It always feels to me like, especially in these SEC weekend series, Whatever happens on Friday night always seems to set the tone for the rest of the weekend. If you're able to get through that Friday game and not really spend a lot of your bullpen, or at least the, the guys who are your key guys, then it sets you up well for the rest of the weekend. And it felt that way after game one against South Carolina. It didn't really work out that way. But I think you have some options. You have Riley, you have Hunter Owen, uh, the left-hander. Um, you know, you've, you've had some others put into that role, uh, some, some younger pitchers uh, that been used to uh, get that Sunday start. Devin Futrell pitched so good on oh, Tuesday yeah. um, uh, against Lipscomb. You wonder, and, and again, it's not going to be his normal rest, but uh, what would we see him on Sunday in some sort of role, whether it's uh, a more stretched out role or just limited you know, pitches or, or whatever it might be. Um, you, you, if you can get through the first two games and not have to use your bullpen a ton, then maybe it gives you some options for Sunday. But I, I think we'll probably know more about the answer to that question when Sunday rolls around. You know, the other guy who I think might be key is Thomas Schultz. And Thomas Schultz is key in a series like that if the games are close because he's your closer, A. But B, Kevin, he has been, I'm not going to say an extreme ground ball pitch, pitcher, but there's been a a very, very heavy tilt in that regard to what's going on when teams put the ball in play. And, of course, this is the team, I think, that leads the country in home runs. And so I'm wondering if he plays a little bit bigger role than normal given who he's facing this weekend. Yeah, and, and they've used Thomas uh, you know, in a closer role. He has four saves on the year, and he's, he's pitched well overall. He's uh, made nine appearances to lead everybody on the team. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like he's going to be a key piece. And, you know, a guy's pitching different roles, too. We've seen him in a, in a Sunday starting role and in years past. So uh, he's not any stranger to that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, again, I, I just think the, the first two games will probably dictate a whole lot as far as what we see in that final game of the series. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. 
What do you make of Hunter Owen? Because that's been two back-to-back shaky appearances uh, that that may be unfair for the one two weeks ago. But he's a guy that at times has looked like he can really help them and was really helping them. Uh, but this is a – I'm not going to say he's lost confidence, but this is a you – know, just when you're on the ropes a little bit, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, that, that's a tough team to face right now when you <laughs> have struggled your, your last couple of times out. Yeah, that, that's not a team that you're going to go out there and try to, you know, think think you're going to go out there and just mow some people down and get your confidence back. Uh, Tennessee's lineup is, is awfully good. Um, I, I, again, I think for Hunter, it's probably just the progression of a young pitcher. Um, we've seen him have, have some appearances where he's been super effective and he's a struggle maybe in other spots of it. Um, I, I really think the future is bright for that guy. I don't know what the, the, as far as the near term in this series, what it might look like. I, I have a feeling we'll see him at some point or another, but, um, yeah, I, I think, I think down the road, he's going to be just fine. So we'll, we'll see. As to Vanderbilt's lineup, they have gone left, right, left, right, on down the order. I I talked with Andrew about this a time or two. It was almost like to the point where they had a a one, two, three, four, and they flipped it over again with another leadoff guy when Vaz was hitting five and then going down that way. And then Young hitting in the nine hole is a switch hitter, so he could do either one. I'm wondering, because they haven't done that as much, it was, it was interesting to me because it felt like they were really in a groove exiting that Belmont game last weekend, and then it changed when they got to South Carolina. I wonder if they'll resume doing that. Maybe it's different against Tennessee because their starters have been going deep into ball games. but I think that matchup and that, that chess game of handedness could be interesting. It could be, and... I really, I just think the idea of having Tay Colwick and Carter Young down at the bottom of the order, if if it's working for you, uh, man, that that's really gives teams a lot to try to deal with. I mean, those are guys who are going to be batting in the middle of the order for a lot of teams. Um, I, I went I wonder what a guy like Calvin Hewitt, uh, how much do they use him in this series? The guy's been swinging the bat pretty well the last couple of games. Uh, I think he had three hits in the the series finale against South Carolina. Another good performance. Uh, against Lipscomb uh, in the midweek game. So, yeah, I, we've seen Gavin Casas uh, get some chances to play, you know, from the left side of the plate. We've seen him hit some line drives. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think you kind of know who your core guys are going to be. It's just a matter of a couple spots, uh, first base and left field, uh, who goes into those positions to play and and how they line up, stack up with the rest of the order. But, uh, you know, you've certainly got some guys capable from both sides of the plate. Really been impressed with Spencer Jones. Uh, happy for that guy. He's uh, struggled with injuries for a couple years, but making the most of his playing time. And you know, you see a big six-seven guy, and you think he's going to have his huge strikeout or a huge strike zone, and and uh, just be a big power hitter. But that's really not the case. He's more of a line drive hitter and has ten doubles. That kind of bears that out and hitting three seventy-five. So he's been really effective for this team so far. And the freshman Davis Diaz, they've installed him at third base, and he hasn't left the lineup. So uh, he's been good too. But you know, a couple of those spots uh, we've seen. Guys move in and out of left field. You, you kind of know who the cast of characters might be at first base. It's just a matter of a game-by-game basis as to who's going to play first, who's going to catch, and who's going to DH. That Those seem to uh, to kind of be connected to one another. It feels like a Hewitt-Vaz platoon in left field is inevitable because Hewitt is right-handed. Actually, he hits right-handed. He throws left-handed, which is really odd. You don't see that very often. Vaz, of course, hits lefty. Both of them make pretty good contact. They can both run a little bit. They're probably not either 
power guys, although I think one each of them have popped one or two out of the park uh, this season. I know Vaz has for sure. That just feels like a pretty good mix and match opportunity for them. And as I look, yeah, Hewitt does have a home run also. So both of them are capable of showing a little bit of pop now and then, every now and then too. Yeah, if I remember right, Hewitt's home run was against Missouri in the uh, the series finale, and he hit a bomb up there by the by Memorial Gym. Uh, yeah, and both those guys are, you know, give you maybe a little bit different sense of skills at the plate, but uh, I, I think they both want to get them both in there. Uh, I think Vass has had his struggles maybe the last few times he, he's been in the lineup, but you know, I, they, a guy they certainly showed a lot of confidence in toward the la- end of last season. I mean, he was in there for the entire postseason run and whole big stretch of this uh, start to this 2022 season. So, yeah, I, th- that's probably – I'd say you're probably uh, on, on the right track there as far as uh, those two guys maybe splitting the playing time in left field. Cassis, to me, is the variable because I feel like th- th- there's a season out there, like if you could play this 10 times where – Cassis starts every game at first base and and leads them with 15, 16 home runs. I just feel like that's a, a really good bat in reserve. I know he's got a, a tough decision there because he likes Parker Nolan, the leadership, the veteran presence, all those things, having been there and done that. But but that one, too, and, and of course that one's made more difficult by the fact they're both left-handed hitters. Yeah, it does. It might be easier to, to figure out if they weren't both lefties, but uh... – no, Casas, boy, you've seen some some tremendous power out of him, and uh, and Parker's had, you know had his struggles at the plate. He probably struck out more than than they certainly would like. Uh, struck out twenty times and fifty one at bats. Uh, Casas, um, fourteen strikeouts and forty at bats. But I, I think you know maybe in a series like this we see more of Parker Nolan, and he's a Knoxville guy, and you know you know what this series probably means to him. And he had a big hit or two uh, when they played over in Knoxville last season. But yeah. I, uh, that's one of those spots that maybe a work in progress as the uh, the season moves along here. I guess catcher will be the same thing again. Bolger will catch the middle game. Keegan will catch the the front and the back. That would be my guess. That that's been the pattern for him so far. Bolger's caught the game that the Carter Holton has pitched, and and and, and Dom has been back there for the other two. So uh, yeah, that that would be uh, what I would think they they would employed this weekend against Tennessee. Well, I asked that for a reason. I think the variable that probably isn't getting discussed enough is Tennessee will run. And, of course, Vanderbilt will too. Uh, Tennessee's got, oh, good grief, um, Ethan Russell behind the plate. Um, or Evan Russell, excuse me, who's a converted left fielder who's catching, doing a pretty respectable job. Vanderbilt, of course, you know Keegan did not catch a year ago, neither did Bulger. Uh, I'm not going to say they're both learning on the job because they both caught plenty in high school, but it's it's different than than being a you know a three year starter in your in your third year behind the plate. So I'm really interested to see how the running game goes because I think these two teams lead the league in steals. Yeah, they they both like to run, and and certainly on the turf it, it serves you well there too. Um, I, I, Andrew and I have talked about this as far as controlling the running game from the Vanderbilt perspective. Uh, last year, and they had the you know CJ Rodriguez behind the plate. Uh, he was so good at controlling the the run game and throwing out base runners that man, you just like put him back there and and you knew you were good to go. Uh, and and again, both uh, when, when you look at, at Dominic Keegan and Jack Bulger, as you said, they both came in as catchers and uh, both understand what it's like to play that position. But playing it at this level in this league is a certainly a different situation. But um, I, I, I think you've seen improvement out of both those guys as they've got more playing time behind the plate. And, and Dom certainly has a really good arm and can, can throw guys out. So, yeah, but that, that will be a key because, again, both these teams like to run. And 
uh, for Vanderbilt. I, I think the run game is going to be especially important this weekend. Enrique Bradfield has been perfect in steal attempts so far, and the Commodores hope it will stay that way. He's 16 out of 16, and he uh, ran at will last year over in Knoxville. I think the only time they got him out, if I remember right, was, was on a came play off where the they, base. Yeah, yeah, when he came off the base and they reviewed it and, and they called him out. But, uh, yeah, he, he had a big series last year in the, uh, the stolen base department when they played over in Knoxville. You know, Vanderbilt's defense was a concern. I don't know if concern is the right word, but it, it wasn't clicking on all cylinders like we're used to seeing a Tim Corbin team click. I feel like that's really started to solidify within the last week or two. They, they played pretty well against Missouri. Uh, they played pretty well against Carolina. And they played really well in the midweek against Belmont. And, and yeah, take, that, so, that catch take. Oh, my made, goodness. It was a fantastic play. It, uh, if people haven't seen that, yeah, that was that was a masterpiece. Yeah, it really was. That was probably the play of the year defensively for Vanderbilt. And, and you've seen Spencer Jones go up above the fence to uh, maybe take a home run away a couple weeks back. So, yeah, I, I've never really been that concerned about the defense. I, I felt like that was an area where Vanderbilt would be just fine. And um, I think as this season's gone along and guys have maybe gotten a little more comfortable in their spots, uh, it, it's, it's been good to go. So, yeah, I think the defense is, is good for this team and um, should should be fine, regardless of how they, they maybe move people around in a couple of different positions. Uh, up the middle, very solid with uh, with Young and, and with Tate Colwick at second base and Enrique Bradfield in center. And Spencer Jones in right too. Tim Corbin talked about his ability to to cover ground in right field and and to to get to pretty much everything he needs to. And the good part about playing left field in that ballpark is you don't have as much ground to cover. So you know maybe if you can uh, you feel a little, a little better about playing a couple different folks out there. You ready for a couple from the mailbag? Sure, let's do it. All right. The mailbag is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number is 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. NBA Door is going to put you on the spot right out of the box. He wants to know your prediction for the UT series. Um, I think Vanderbilt wins in a stunning sweep, uh, outscoring him 30 to nothing. I, I'm not, I, I'm not, <laughs> not so much. I, I have no idea what to expect. I, I will say, and Tennessee comes in with so much confidence, and they're number one, and and everybody's feeling great about how it's going. But it, and they are, as I said earlier, they are very deserving number one. But I, I think also from Tennessee's perspective, their probably their players probably look at this as a series where we have to go and improve that we're you know we're the team in this state where Vanderbilt has been the team in this state and really in this conference for a long time. I think Tennessee probably feels like. If they were really honest, I think they probably feel like they still have some things to prove when it comes to playing against Vanderbilt. Commodores won two out of three last year. Um, and, and again, Tennessee has just been red hot. They played great against Ole Miss last weekend. Vanderbilt did maybe did not play uh, always its best in the series against South Carolina. Uh, that game three on Saturday sort of got away from them. But I, I'd be shocked if Vanderbilt doesn't play well and, and have a chance to win two out of three, at least in this series. I, I just feel like you know, Vanderbilt's still one of the great programs in college baseball, and, and Tennessee deserves to be in that conversation too. But I, I think it's going to be a really good series, and uh, I, I think the Commodores will, will equip themselves well. I feel like both coaches are going to be pushing that we're the underdog button with their teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit. As, as much as two top ten teams can be, we're you know we're the underdog. I, I don't know. I'm not sure how you could do that. Both were were in Omaha last year, but. 
yeah, they, these coaches are good coaches and, and in very different styles. I mean, they, they, I think that's one of the things that makes this uh, series so interesting is these teams really go about it in different ways. Um, you know, Vanderbilt is, is very you know, buttoned down or whatever you want to call it, you know, and just the way Tim Corbin goes about running this program. And we've, we, if you've watched his program, you kind of understand what I'm talking about. Tennessee, on the other hand, they, they, they're a little more loose, not a little more, they're quite a bit more like loose and carefree and, uh, and at least the outward appearance. Now you have to be locked in if you're going to win baseball games at this level. And Tony Vitello knows that as, as well as anybody, but you know, they're, they're, I always say they're a little more frat house certainly than the Vanderbilt is, but, uh, both those styles are working for both these programs. Odds. This gets a little chippy at some point. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, yeah. I think it will. Um, and it's hard to play a rivalry series or really any big conference series and, and it not be that way at some point. So I, I, I would not be shocked at all if that happens. Yeah, I wonder what the the talk from the coaching staff is going to be like. If if it's going to be they're going to try to get under our skin, you know, if you're the Vanderbilt staff and and don't don't play along or th- that's the one hesitation I have is that are they going to try to play it really buttoned down or are they going to go at it? Cause you, cause you know, there's going to be some noise and, and I'm not saying it's just Tennessee, but it's like you said, they are very loose and free and it feels like, um, feels like those Florida series used to feel, um, maybe that's not fair, but I'm just very curious how they play that in the home dugout. Yeah, I, I I don't know either uh, because yeah, those Florida series always there was always something going on and and I'm sure there will be when Florida plays here in a couple of weeks. But yeah, I, I don't whether it's chirping about a call or, or you know a, a play on a base where there's some extra contact or a pitch inside. I mean, there there is going to be things that happen in this series. It's inevitable uh, whether you're playing Tennessee or you're playing anybody else. But it, it'll it'll be a, a little extra ramped up with just the atmosphere and, and the conditions and where these teams stand nationally and all those sorts of things and, and just the the nature of the rivalry. I think it's it's going to happen at some point. All right, this one goes off Vanderbilt. I believe 22 says, off topic, but I'd be curious to know if Kevin knows how Frank Wycheck is doing and if you still keep in touch. Said he's really loved the combo of you, Frank, and Mark Howard. I, I will second that. That was – you guys had the best morning sports talk show I've ever heard in this town, and I don't think it's close. Oh, I appreciate that, and uh, I appreciate folks asking. And it's amazing. Almost everywhere I go, somebody will ask me about that, or how Frank's doing, or how Mark's doing, or uh, when we're going to get back together and be on the air again. Uh, Frank has moved back to Philadelphia. Uh, the last I've heard, he's doing well. His mom and brother live up there, and uh, obviously uh, back there, closer to his family and and where he grew up. So uh, I've not talked to Frank in quite a while, but uh, hopefully, he's doing well. And uh, wish Frank absolutely nothing but the best. Uh, really enjoyed all the time I spent with him and Mark for all those years that we uh, did the show together. It was it was really a special run, and uh, we had a lot of fun, and, and and I miss those times for sure. Kevin, thanks for your time today. Any parting thoughts on the way out? Uh, no, just uh, looking forward to this weekend. It's going to be cool. Um, I'll be doing the Sunday game on TV. Andrew Harris and I will have the uh, Sunday game at 1 o'clock on SEC Network Plus. But uh, I encourage everybody to, to check out our, our podcast, Andrew Allegretta and I do uh, the anchor podcast. And then, uh, on Monday, we'll be back in person, uh, over the Commodore grill at the holiday Inn West End Vanderbilt, uh, six o'clock for Commodore hour. Coach Tim Corbin will, uh, will join us, but we're, we're going to be back live and, uh, in person on Monday. So we're looking forward to that. 
Well, I will see you out there. I'll be in the press box Saturday and Sunday. My son's got opening night doubleheader um, right, right when you guys are playing. Um, but part of me wants, um, you know, a, a rain reschedule or something like that so I could see them both. <laughs> But but I don't wish that on my son either. I know he's looking forward to playing for the first time this year. So well, here, here's hoping for a doubleheader sweep. Let's go get the job done on Friday. Right, right. It, I I get to see baseball that that I'm intrigued by either way. So see, you really you can't lose. Um, That's right. Kevin, thanks for joining us. We'll catch you again in two weeks. Anytime, Chris. Thank you, man. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.